Whereas when you're on the ocean, you're you're reacting constantly to the environment around you. Um, and so just putting myself in those kind of positions um, is just real change from my, my everyday life. Um, and I really was desperate to sort of get back out on the ocean and experience it again. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today I have Emily Wooderson on the show. Uh, Welcome, Emily. Hi. Hi, Julian. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on. Uh, It's a slightly different episode today. Um, I'm interviewing somebody who's just done an amazing uh, challenge, but I think there's some real lessons uh, in terms of teamwork, resilience, uh, and leadership, really, in terms of how you manage a, a task, whether you're, I won't give it away in the moment, doing something at sea uh, or doing something in an organisation. Um, so, Emily, by day, you are a landscape architect. However, um, you've just completed the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, a 3,000-mile rowing race across the Atlantic, which is just fantastic. And I'm going to say congratulations on that. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it's quite an achievement. <laughs> it, it's, it's a huge achievement, it's a massive achievement. And so your team, One Ocean crew, crossed the finish line on the 21st of January this year. Um, and uh, you did it in 40 days, four hours and seven minutes. Uh, and uh, there was a, a final push at the end where it actually became the winner's of the women's class and the, the Murden Trophy. So again, well done on that, on winning the female class. Uh, and just to give some other context to this uh, story and uh, to this sort of uh, sort of challenge, uh, apart from it being 3,000 miles uh, across the Atlantic Ocean, uh, they say on average uh, each team will row about one and a half million oil strokes during a race, which is just phenomenal amounts. Um, you may experience up to 20-foot high waves, um, and, and on a daily basis, I think you burn about 5,000 calories per day, which is huge amounts of calories you're burning, which means you've got to get those calories in somehow. And the average rower loses about eight kilos in weight. And I think you as a team lost about 37 kilos uh, amongst the four of you. So um, <laughs> a big achievement and a big challenge. And I guess my first question really, um, apart from thinking, you know, it, why did you take on this challenge? What, what was the inspiration? What got you to get to that sort of start line and decide to go off and row 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> well, I guess firstly, I've always just been a lover of, of challenges um, and seeing how I can push myself mentally and physically in other ways. Um, I've, I've actually sailed across the Atlantic previously, uh, and I'd loved being out there in the middle of the ocean um, it's such an incredible environment and you are literally subject to nature um, so you're 
just reliant every day on the wind conditions, the waves, what's going on. Um, so you're taking those challenges head on every day. And, and being out there is a very different experience to sitting in a desk and doing the job I do where every day we're planning ahead and thinking two months, three months, a year, two years, up to you know five years ahead with projects and plans. Uh, whereas when you're on the ocean, you're, you're reacting constantly to the environment around you. Um, and so just putting myself in those kind of positions um it's just real change from my my everyday life um and I really was desperate to sort of get back out on the ocean and experience it again um and the rowing uh was just I guess a, a sort of step further than sailing a lot more physical um a lot more mental and it'd be a lot tougher to do so it's something I sort of I guess was the the next step for me uh and something that I really really sort of wanted to try and, and see if I could achieve that and put myself in a position where um I was facing things that I was uncertain uh, about how I would um, conquer those, how I would achieve that and do that. That's interesting. It was like a, a next step to you and a logical step to you, but perhaps not everybody else, such an obvious step to take and obviously a huge step. Um, interesting. You, you talk about sort of channeling yourself and uh, in terms of your mindsets, uh, what, what, what was it about this particular challenge that made you think actually that's going to really push me the boundaries of my comfort zone and everything else mm. well I mean to begin with um I didn't know how to row um so I, I do love water sports and anything on the water but I've never rowed in my life um before this challenge um and so when I first heard of it um and first saw these saw people and teams crossing the Atlantic in tiny boats sort of eight meter long boats I thought that's absolutely insane I thought I would love to do that um, but I, I just, I, to begin with, I couldn't see myself doing it because there was so much I didn't know and so much I'd have to learn. Um, but eventually I, I started researching into it and started sort of thinking about the ways I could do it and, um, went to a couple of, of lessons and courses to row, um, at Putney down on the river Thames in London, um, and loved being on the water and thought, okay, maybe this is, if this is the first step and I can just sort of gradually keep taking it step by step um, and begin to sort of learn all these different components of it. Uh, and a gradually it became a bit more of a sort of realistic challenge, but it was certainly at the beginning um, something that I did think was out of my reach um, just because I didn't feel I had the right skill set at the beginning to do it. And so when you, that was, that was a couple of years ago when you sort of sort of obviously heard about the challenge. Did you make a commitment to do it before you even learned to row? Or was that you learning to row was the sort of understanding whether I could do this and the challenge became a bit more real and, and achievable? Or was that how what 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 came first? Uh, a little bit at the same time. So I saw the saw the challenge and started researching into it. And I thought at that point I'd I'd better get a bit of a flavour for rowing to see if I can if I actually enjoy rowing to do this. Uh, but at the same time, while I was doing research, I came across um, uh, a post online um, on a website called Explorers Connect, where people are looking for others to join their team of challenges. And Jen, who's the skipper of our team, had posted that she was looking to form a crew. So at the same time as um, setting myself up to go on this course in partner, I also emailed Jen and said, this sounds fantastic. Absolutely love to be part of your team. Can we can we meet up? Um, of course, that the next sort of challenge occurred at that point that, um, that this was in March 2020. Uh, so around about the same time, lockdown occurred. And so 
all of my rowing in Putney got postponed um and meeting Jen was all online at the beginning uh so it was trying to take those things step by step uh but yeah they all, all came at once really at the end and you know obviously the challenge itself is is huge and, and a great accomplishment but actually just getting to the start line in December was probably not easy the fact that you had the pandemic difficult to train difficult to meet up do those team things what are the sort of challenges besides the ones I've just mentioned there that that you faced and how did you overcome that and, and what was it in you that kept you going because that's quite a long time a couple of years of pursuing a goal isn't it yeah, it was. Um, I mean, we we really struggled. So originally, we were looking to do the race in starting twenty twenty at the end of the year, um, but we actually had to postpone um, due to the pandemic. Um, so that sort of brought an extra year into our training program and something we hadn't really planned ahead. And at that point, when we had to defer our race, we did lose a couple of team members and had to look for more team members to take their place just because keeping up that same momentum for training fundraising everything was was really tough and really hard um alongside that i think one of the biggest challenges and the thing that i was most nervous about at the beginning is that as a team we didn't have the opportunity to meet in person for the first sort of few months of getting together so we were talking like this online um training together on our rowing machines like all plugged into the screens watching each other and chatting um but the first time we met uh in person was really quite nerve-wracking at that point because we'd all committed Mm. um to do this challenge together but weren't sure if we'd actually get on in person um luckily when we met we we all got on straight away it felt like we had known each other for a long time um and I think the thing that really brought us together was just our our commitment to this challenge. Um, all four of us are from very different backgrounds, but all four of us, for, for different reasons, we wanted to do this so much and we all had so much passion um, and energy. We all had different skill sets as well that we could contribute and put in towards the campaign in different ways. So I think that really kept us strong and kept us going. Um, and when the training got tough, um, because it was pretty relentless, when the fundraising got tough, um, we could all rely on each other uh, at that point. And it was it was fantastic that different points in time, um, different ones of us would sort of step up and um, others might be sort of really struggling, but we would push and help each other through. And that was really, I think, where we started to become really strong as a team. Yeah, because you all had a probably an individual reason to do it, you know, that sort of why and the purpose behind individually. And obviously you came as a team. Um, how did that sort of, I guess, that team sort of work start to sort of build? And I guess, was it through those challenges that you started to grow and realise actually if somebody was struggling with something or somebody was excelling, that did that start to build that team dynamic? Because there must have been some, I appreciate you weren't meeting in person until sort of near, near the actual race, there must have been some clashes or some difficulties or moments where it's like, can I spend 40 days with these people on a boat? And that's all I see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we um, the, the, one of the first challenges we did together online was a, a 24-hour row. Um, and that was part of our fundraising. We did that online uh, live. And so people were joining us throughout the night. But that was really difficult and at that point I think we we sort of saw each other push through uh, and work through that so at that point we 
we're all there sort of learning and starting to support each other. Uh, and then finally, we managed to um, uh, buy our boat. And so as soon as we had our boat, we were meeting up as much as we could um, every weekend over the summer before the race uh, and going out. So we were taking sort of long weekends, so from the Friday night through to Sunday, spending time on our boat together. And that was really where we got to know each other really well. Um, it's a small space, as I said, an eight metre long boat. So you can't get away from each other uh, and you have to face um, challenges, differences of opinion and things head on. Um, and of course, we came up with those things, but we agreed from the start um, that what we, wanted to, what we wanted to be as a team was open with each other. Um, and we agreed that we wanted to, to talk things through um, and we sort of valued each other's opinions. That was really helpful. Um, later on, we did have a, a sports psychologist who came on board to help us. And that was fantastic as well. And we did a few exercises with her to understand really the different components of our personalities um, mm -hmm. our strengths weaknesses and how we all behave under pressure and that exercise really helped us to to understand um, where we needed to support each other um, mm -hmm. and where our strengths lie as well and, and from that point on that enabled us to have some quite honest conversations um, about things that we found challenging particularly mm -hmm. when we were tired uh, hungry um generally worn out they're they're the low points they're the points where um you do end up clashing because it, it's difficult at those points and you can't help it but by understanding um you know what it was that pushed each other's buttons and how to help resolve that situation whether someone needed a break or, or someone needed a hug um working through those things together um, was really really beneficial and that was something that we implemented in the race and I think was just invaluable to to do before we started yeah because bringing a group of people that you did never met before um, or even when you come to an organization you, you get you're part of a team it's important to understand not only ourselves but other people isn't it and to get that sort of insights into what's the best way to communicate uh, what are people's um, reactions under pressure and what do they do? Do they go into the shell? Do they start shouting or whatever it is, throwing things? Um, there's a various things. And I think that's really helpful. And particularly when you're in a confined space uh, and in a real pressure situation. And, and just before we, we get onto the boat, we're not even on the boat yet. Um, and so it's like a, the, the pre-race bit here. If you were to look back up to the point you got on the, on the, on the boat, is there anything you would do differently um, I don't think you think, oh, actually, and, and that could almost be advice, not just to other people doing a similar challenge, but also advice to other teams when they come together in such a way. Mm. I think the some of the most valuable parts of our, our training were spending time on the boat together. Um, and so it was really, it was it was going through all of our, our drills, um, how, how we worked on the boat, our rowing patterns, everything like that. Uh, and all of those components, the more we did those, and particularly when it came to safety, so practicing man overboard and different safety procedures and things, that all helped us gain confidence. Um, so gain confidence in each other and how we worked as a team, but also in our, our boat and all of our equipment. And we we did, luckily, despite the lockdown, because we pushed really hard to align our calendars and get out every as much as we could every weekend and, and take a week as well at one point that was something that I think when we got to the start line was just so beneficial to have it was that 
it just sort of reduced the element of fear um, when mm. we're there. Um, having said that, I think we could have done more time. Um, and it, it was really sort of difficult to, to get that time out and spend time together. Um, but I think if we'd had more opportunity to spend um, perhaps another sort of week on the boat and practicing those days and night shifts, mm. I think that would have been something that really, really would have helped us even more. Um, so there would have been less adjustment time to to life on the water, to everything mm. we had to do when we were out there. So I think you could you could probably never have enough time doing that, the training and mm. um, putting yourself as much as possible uh, into that sort of situation that you're going to be in as you can. Because mm. the team bit is really important, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure you were all physically working hard in terms of doing your rowing training, the physical aspects. Um, but the actual team dynamics is really a thing that probably makes or break it, doesn't it, really, in terms of the, the challenge itself? Because if that all starts falling apart, then no matter how resilient you may be as an individual, you need each other as a team to get yourself across. And so actually that value of spending time socially as well as doing the actual activities is really important. And, and during that time before you got to um, start day, was there any element of doubt um, along the way, as in, or oh, can I do this? Can we do this? And and how did you deal with that? Uh, did you, well, be interesting to see well, whether you had any doubt, but if, if you did, how did you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest doubt we had, um, and, and collectively we all, we all felt um, at one point, was that we weren't going to make our, our fundraising target. So we needed to raise around £170,000 to begin with to enter the race, buy our boat, buy our equipment, undertake training courses, um, buy all of our food um, for all of the journey. Um, and it was a huge amount to raise in the middle of a pandemic when understandably funding was going elsewhere um, as it needed to. So it was, it was really, really tough. Um, and there was a point where we we were at a make or break situation um, and we, we had to raise a certain amount of money to get our, our boat in a certain amount of time. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to, to make the race and having postponed it a year already, it was really hard. And I think at that point we all felt probably one of the lowest we, we felt. Um, and I think we, we sort of racked our brains and in the end, we sought advice and guidance on how we could actually do a bit more promotion um, uh, and sort of different ways that we could bolster our campaign and, and push harder. Um, following that, it was three months of really intensive work, pulling together all of our resources. Um, this was a sort of year before the race start um, to launch a, a crowdfunder. Um, and that crowdfunder was successful, but it was really that point was probably the most the most tense that we'd had and, and all of us were really thinking, can we do this? Is this the point to just leave it a day and call it quits? But we were so, I think, determined. We had it on our mind that we were, this is, this is, this is the final push. It's now or never. Um, and, and luckily we, we pulled through. And again, that's where we used all of our different strengths. So split up all of the tasks in hand. Um, but we were sort of working around the clock, finishing our day jobs, uh, and then pushing hard to do various promotions, organize events, um, and everything that we could to sort of sell it in this all or nothing crowdfund to, to get our boat funding. 
And how did you help each other in that situation when you were perhaps some days you were perhaps a bit, a bit doubtful, this is not going to happen, 170,000, huge amount of money. Mm. How did other team members rally you and how did you rally them? What, what were you doing and, and what was the, I guess, the was it just going back to the common goal you were after in terms of we want to achieve this massive challenge? That's, that's, that's our source of inspiration and energy. Uh, how did you help each other? Mm. It was always looking to the bigger picture, but we we live um, on different areas of the UK. So meeting up um, wasn't easy, particularly in, in the lockdowns. Um, but we made sure we met um, at least once a week to kind of go through our, our to-do list and just a simple action sometimes of having things that we were ticking off and seeing that we were we were making progress because looking at the whole thing and everything we had to achieve just seemed mammoth but by sort of breaking it down into smaller chunks and dividing it between us really helped and then weekly we'd give each other updates and just seeing actually what the other team members had achieved even if I felt this week nothing has gone right nothing has happened that I wanted to do but meeting up with the other girls and finding out that they'd done all of these fantastic things and made real progress was you know that really kept me positive and it kept the momentum going so we always knew that we would be we weren't doing this just for ourselves we were doing it for each other by this point mm. um and so just sort of finding the hours in the day I knew that you know by ticking one or two things off that I could message the other girls and say this is done I knew it would sort of take the pressure off for them um so that was a real real motivator to keep us going I think it's almost that accountability, isn't it? That weekly accountability, checking in on each other, and, and but also being uh, as you celebrate success of others, you get inspired and thinking, okay, at least and so I was getting that done. We're making some progress here. And as you say, when you've got such a big goal, um, the goal starts the day you decide on this. It's not when you start rowing; it's way before that in terms of what you had to do. I mean, just just to get to the start line was a huge challenge for you. The fact, that you had to raise one hundred seventy thousand pounds, do all the training. Um, and uh, a training as in terms of, you know, how you navigate and everything else uh, and you have to do with that. So when you got to that start line, um, mm. and I'm sure you were very excited and very pumped and ready to go, <laughs> what, were, what was your greatest fears of the whole trip? What, what was your set looking ahead thinking, I'm not sure about if that happens or this happens or don't know what, what was going in your head at that point yeah I think for me it was the amount of time I I felt confident in what we had learned in our training and um, that we were prepared for as many eventualities as we could be and we had between us the skills and the knowledge and um, the right equipment to deal with any um, any sort of serious incidents or anything we we, we could take that on um but the biggest fear for me was how long we'd be spending in, in a small space. Um, and I worried about being claustrophobic, being trapped in, in the mm. cabin at night. It's really, it's quite hot conditions by the time you get across um, to the, towards the Caribbean. Um, and you have to have the, the cabin doors shut at all times and they're, they're tiny spaces. And I just thought, am I going to be able to cope being just, on this boat where you can't really even stand up or walk around to stretch your legs. And I'm going to be trapped on it for, well, 40, 50 days. We didn't know either. Um, Cause that would be dependent on the weather. Um, 
how we were doing. So we didn't have an exact time frame. And that made me sort of quite nervous as to, I didn't know, hadn't really experienced that in my life before. So that was mm. a real unknown to me. And so that, that made me quite nervous. So knowing that, um, how did you sort of prepare yourself and how did you deal with that? Obviously you did deal with it because you, you, you mm. accomplished it. So what, what sort of things were going in your mind to help you get through that? Um, I think firstly, it was just thinking about things that I could do if I did, if I did get panicked and, and flustered and there were sort of th- simple things that I planned and thought, um, that I could do in such situations, like just breathing exercises, um, things that would help me stay calm if it, if it did get into a situation where I ever felt panicked or worried. Um, and then it was really just sort of focusing on, on us as a, a team. Um, and the fact that I had the girls there to support me as well, um, and that I knew that you know we, you know we we just sort of planned ahead and thought of different things we could celebrate as milestones. So we planned. We'd all had sort of little surprises and things for Christmas Day, um, for New Year's Day because we'd be out there uh, over sort of December and January. So it was thinking of ways to break down the journey so it just mm. didn't seem like a monotonous long endless uh 40 days there were ways that we could um sort of celebrate little successes as we went so we thought about how we could celebrate reaching a certain number of miles um mm. and things like that and we also agreed to have a, a daily team meeting on the ocean so it was just a chance where Brilliant. all of us would be on deck together um we'd all talk through how we were feeling um so we agreed in advance that we would um sort of talk about how we felt as a number so if if for example you ask someone if if they're how they're feeling and they say okay okay could mean yeah I'm really okay or it could mean I'm okay I'm not not really that good (laughs) it's quite difficult to tell so we um at our team meeting we'd check in with each other one would be feeling really the lowest you've ever felt and 10 would be feeling fantastic um and so it's things like that that we plan to do um that I knew would help me communicate with the other girls how I was feeling and that would then enable them to help support me if I needed it so having all of those things in place before we left gave me more confidence that um I'd be able to deal with anything that came up if I was sort of starting to get panicked or worried about the situation and where I was I knew I could check in with everyone I really like the idea of that sort of daily meeting and it sounds a bit crazy to be having in a daily meeting because uh, <laughs> you're all on the boat and you're not really much but actually to have a, a point in the day where you gather and whether you do some planning in that I don't know other things and other bits and bobs but actually ask each other and that doing that one to ten scale is so valuable I think that's really important because often we can yeah we're okay or what's okay to you what's okay to me it's but actually putting a scale in and also you got to get to understand where people are at if there were six yesterday and perhaps there are eight today or things have improved so you can see a movement of transfer so when somebody did say was there moments when somebody said ones and twos did you have really low moments between yeah well we definitely had a few and did you all like say at the same time go it's really bad (laughs) it's a one it's a two or was there like some were at six and sevens and some were down at the ones and twos. I'd be intrigued to understand. And and, and if somebody was quite down, what, what did you do then? What was the sort of the drill that you decided how you're going to work with that, deal with that? Mm. So it would, um, 
there would be days where we'd all be feeling a little bit lower. Um, that might be because we had sort of bad weather conditions that weren't favourable for us. Um, it might have been because we'd seen that our competition was overtaking us um, and we were falling behind and we were all very competitive. So that would be quite frustrating. Um, but generally speaking, we wouldn't all be sort of at our worst at the same time. So if someone was feeling really tough, um, really sort of, you know, bad on a particular day, we'd we try and understand why. Sometimes it might have been just um, not feeling too good. The, the, the ration food we were eating um, was it was really difficult sometimes to eat it it was all sort of um freeze-dried food and things that you had to boil water and so there were times that people just couldn't manage to eat the number of calories that that you would need to keep you going for a day so it would just be really sort of energy zapping if you weren't able mm. to sort of hold all your food down and keep it in so that might be something so we'd if that was the case we'd try some ration swapping uh give someone maybe a sort of chocolate brownie or something for the day just to give them a bit of an energy boost and help mm. them out. Um, or if it was just, you know, something that happened, something that was in their mind, you know, we'd we let people sort of talk things through and we'd find ways to try and cheer people up or it might have been making them a cup of tea. Um, we had little whiteboards in our cabins. So sometimes we'd write messages to our, our cabin buddy um, just with a little poem or um, mm. a bit of a sort of inspirational thought or something, just as little gestures between us to try and um, sort of boost each other up and keep the mood higher. Wow, that's that's really good. But it's using using that insight from those numbers and then acting upon it appropriately to the situation. Uh, now, normally in this race, you get the, the trade winds, which make it a little bit easier for you. I still, I still think it's a challenge, but they sort of push you along a little bit. And um, I know at day seven, uh, this is a, a quote that's on one of your Instagram, said, everyone is struggling with motivation at the moment as the wind we were expecting is just not coming. So <laughs> what was thinking, what were you thinking? Oh my goodness, we had that, we had a plan and we planned it based on this trade wind that everybody gets every year. And now the plan is not happening. And so how did you sort of respond to that and uh, motivationally wise obviously quite struggling with it but how did you deal with that to keep going and to keep persisting and that ultimately obviously became the winners uh, in the female class hmm. it was it was definitely I think the, the toughest point in the race for me particularly um so when you're when you're rowing and the water is flat calm it was at points like this it was it was a, like a mill pond we could have been rowing on a lake um and it's it's wonderful. If that it's sounds sweeping. that sounds that's amazing to me, Emily. That really does. <laughs> me rowing on a lake, flat, the ocean. I, I could be, I'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> it it was beautiful. It was stunning. And while you're sleeping and eating, it's fantastic because you know you're mm. you're calm and you can you can do those things much easier. Um, but when you're rowing, you are literally pushing the boat along every stroke. And when our boat was fully loaded, it weighed over a ton. So two people rowing at a time we we had to step up and have three people rowing at a time which meant we went from two hours sleep to just one hour's sleep and rest after rowing for three hours each so we had to do that really to keep propelling ourselves through the water it's much harder to move the boat without any wind or current behind us um and so at this point we had we were particularly in in sort of it felt like the center of the wind hole so we started to see other teams overtake us as well where they had a little bit more wind because they'd gone a bit further south 
Um, so it was really, really sort of disheartening after working very hard at the beginning to push out and strike out into the lead to suddenly see us falling back. It was mm. a real sort of blow to motivation. Um, and I think the the hardest part is that we sort of had regular reports coming in from our our sort of weather router on our team back home uh, via our, our satellite comm saying, don't worry, the wind is coming. So every day we thought, okay, we just need to push through today and tomorrow the wind will be here. And of course it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't come for days. <laughs> so in the end, it, it got to a point where we all agreed together at our, our team meeting. We said, okay, let's not rely on the wind coming tomorrow. Let's focus on each day. And I think at that point we started our countdown to Christmas. Um, and so instead of countdown to when's the wind coming, we just changed our focus and we started thinking, Brilliant. um, let's look forward to to Christmas. We're nearly there. We had a couple of really small gifts and things from our, our families and friends that we were going to open on the day. Mm-hmm. So we started sort of talking about that and planning how we'd enjoy that day. Um, and that sort of change in, in attitude and change of what we're aiming for mm-hmm. really helped. And then we started enjoying ourselves a lot more you know, really sort of embracing the positives of glorious sunsets, amazing phosphorescence in the calm water, hmm. uh, being able to eat and sleep in comfort. Um, so just sort of putting out of our mind for a while the fact that we're in a race and waiting hmm. for the wind and just changing the focus was the way we got through that. Oh, that's great. That's that's a great reframe. It really works every time when you reframe something. Um, and on also the fact that you started to uh, focus on the good things that you were having calmness it was it was not as um, rocky and you could eat in more comforts uh, it's a really good way of overcoming some uh, challenges and also you then probably got onto things you could control because you can control the wind as much as everybody's it's coming you had no control over that and what you could control was a your mindset your focus and you're rowing and that's all you could do um that, that's a that's a wonderful example of just taking a challenge and a, a plan and then adapting it and being quite agile that's brilliant what a great lesson that's a great um day 16 this is where this is the, this is this is the competitiveness of you guys that came in uh, i'm going to read it this is from from your, one of your posts it says the last few days have been pretty frustrating seeing our position drop from the top 10 down to the 16th and losing our lead in the female class after putting all our efforts in to push away hard at the start can't wait can't work out what's causing us to slow down and how we get those knots back up (laughs) so what so you clearly were competitive you didn't want to just complete this task you wanted to win it um again what was the plan there You, you you were falling behind probably the wind was impacted you went in a slightly different direction and uh, in terms of approach than everybody else um how did you get that pull that back mm, that, that was a really tough point and we spent a lot of time talking about what are the other team doing um it was another another four women team um they were a fantastic team uh all rowers by background and so we we're thinking Oh, they've they've really you know got this advantage over us. They're um, much better technically than we are because three of us had just learned to row for this challenge. I didn't have a rowing background, um, and we spent a lot of time dwelling on what they must be doing, what their tactics were, uh, whether they were rowing two up or three up, what kind of hours and patterns they were doing, and it got to the point 
where again we had to stop ourselves and and you know say whatever that team's doing we we cannot control it we've got no impact over that let's refocus on what we're doing here mm. and now um and we we started to think about okay we, we we'd rode um quite heavily with with three up so again that's taking less rest time and more rowing time um and we we sort of started to think actually what can we do or what can we change that we can start doing that again and start pushing again um and so we started to break it down i thought okay well in the heat of the day it's it's really hot so midday so we can only really be rowing two hours then you need a break you need to get out of the sun um but our best times and the times that we all enjoy rowing the most are the first thing in the morning um and last thing in the evening just before it gets fully dark i thought okay if we start doing a couple of hours three up then pushing a bit harder um and we called them our our power hours um and that was when we we all really focused uh and we sort of channeled all of our competitiveness into those hours and started pushing each other during those times um so it's not to say that we weren't pushing hard the rest of the time but mm. during those hours we started really pushing each other on and talking about our our technique um trying mm. to improve um and while it was focused and concentrated and in a sort of couple of hours every 12 hours it was just much easier to um really sort of see the speed go up see us progress see us improve see us start communicating more working better and mm. i think ultimately that that had a knock-on effect then to the time that we were more relaxed rowing as it were because we mm. had improved our technique during that time so it just kept the momentum going and then slowly we started to pull out of this um negativity just by seeing that mm. the way we were working was improving our speed and we were picking up pace um and we were doing it in a way that we we weren't sort of pushing our bodies to exhaustion and suffering too much we're doing it in a way that was manageable um, but it took a while to to get that balance and find out how we could play to our strengths and, and make that work best and most effectively for all of us it sounded like a, a strategy that it was quite sustainable as well the fact that you'd worked out these two moments in the day when you could really go for it uh, which gave you the, the focused energy and for those listening you you've rowed two hours on two hours off that's a sort of normal way of rowing is it on these so you it's constant there's somebody rowing all mm. the time so I, th I don't think people always understand the concept of this um and the fact in those two hours you've got to eat sleep rest and all those sort of things as well um and so yeah that's important to, to know so when you as you you must have faced other challenges besides being uh, behind uh, the sort of the win the leaders at the time and no wind what, what was the the biggest challenge you think of the actual race that you faced mm, I think it was it was the sheer amount of time we were out there um so ultimately overall it, the race took us 40 days um but after the first the first week at sea was very much adjusting to to life on the water um so there's a bit of seasickness in the team to begin with um and that lasted three days um for some of us but after after getting over that it was just getting used to the pattern so getting used to eating every two hours just trying to get calories in trying to get snatches of sleep as much as you can which obviously takes a while for your body to adjust to 
and just getting used to that nonstop rowing. Um, we, we'd done a training row for four days previously. So after that four-day point, everything was new to us for, for the length of time. Um, so week one went quite quickly. Um, it was very much just adjusting to life. Mm. Um, then week two uh, was more about, you know, we had the confidence in the boat. We knew how everything worked. It was going quite well. Then it, it suddenly, midway through week two, there was that realization of how long this was actually going to be on on the water in a small place and and how do you sort of look to the finish line um something we we've sort of practiced with our um sports psychologists and thought about as a team was visualizing the finish line um and that was a great goal to have in mind and something that keeps you sort of motivated but when we were out there that finish line seemed so far away mm. and so far in the distance that it it sort of became hard to to visualize it when you knew you still had four weeks to go. Um, and it already felt like you'd been out there a long time. Uh, so we we started then again to, to break it down. So we would start to think of targets. So getting to 1,000 miles was a real target. And we really celebrated that. Mm. Um, we had a, a fantastic little party on our boat on New Year's Eve with a, a disco ball, oh, uh, a little... Yeah, a little shot of whiskey in our coffee and oh, some good fantastic. tunes on. Um, and where, where were you on New Year's Eve? Where did you sort of see the new year coming then? We were pretty much, I think, about in the middle of the Atlantic at that point. So oh. that was a must have been around um, the sort of just before, just after the halfway mark, I think. Wow. Literally so in the middle was, of nowhere. Yeah, and a really, really long way to go still. But we we had to break it down. The mm. um, the days were going incredibly slowly in some respects mm. when you were just sort of looking into how long have we got to keep this momentum up? And that was a, a struggle. And what did you learn about yourself in that sort of 40 days? And you're probably learning still now, I'm sure, as you reflect on that uh, event. Hmm. I, I definitely learned that um, my, my body's much stronger physically than, than I ever thought in terms of its resilience that I can just things might hurt literally it'll be days where every single muscle would hurt um but it could keep going and mentally um I think I have I think I realized I had a little more strength than I thought and just getting up every two hours particularly at night when you're really sort of curled up in the dark in your cabin and it it felt pretty comfortable having to get up uh, and get on the oars and and sort of row. That was really challenging. Um, but I think I sort of surprised myself that that possibly wasn't as wasn't one of the biggest challenges I was expecting. That I, I could just sort of um, keep myself going, and that was partly because I knew I wasn't just doing this for me. I was doing this for the other the other three women in the boat too, and mm. we were all all there together. And so. Mm. Um, without them, it would have been a lot, lot harder. Um, so I know mm. very much that uh, my motivation comes from from working with others and, um, you know, knowing uh, that what I'm doing and what I'm pushing for is also for, for them too. Mm. Um, so that's being that sort of team player and, and that is definitely something I've learned a lot more about. Yeah. And what, what were your sort of highlights along the way? 
Um, wow moments of this is just amazing there must have been some amazing moments yeah for for me it was when the wind came eventually (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but experiencing some of those sort of six meter high waves um being this tiny boat we bobbed around like a little cork and the waves would take you up to the top and then spit was was that a highlight a good highlight I loved it. I loved really? it. Um, oh my <laughs> it was with a little bit of fear when when a wave would come at you in the pitch black and hit you from the side and you'd panic if you were going to capsize or what was going to happen. But um, that adrenaline, absolutely, I found it thrilling and really, really exciting. Um, and then the wildlife was incredible, seeing pods of whales just um, dive under the boat and play around. Um, seeing sharks in the water sort of cruising past. It felt a bit like Jaws. Um, oh <laughs> and goodness. turtles going past on the current um, eating jellyfish. It was just, yeah, those those sightings, um, along with the sunrises and sunsets, were just something that I would never experience anywhere else. Now, you just mentioned sharks there. Mm. Um, now, I know, I think this is correct, you have to go into the water to take off barnacles under the boat is that right is it, i don't know how often yeah. do you do that is that a daily thing or is it a few days so we we did that every four to six days um so, so we known the sharks potentially you still <laughs> happily went in and it was that was pretty scary um you had to um we, we jumped in two at a time but you were attached to the boat still by a rope mm-hmm. so connected on um and I think the the sort of the way I managed to do it was just focusing on the task in hand. So you go in with a, a little scraper, like the ice scraper on your car, uh, jump in and scrape these barnacles and scrape everything off the hull. So as long as I stayed focused on that, on the task in hand, um, then that sort of kept the the visions of sharks coming out of the water out of my head. <laughs> and meanwhile, the other two team members would be on deck, on on lookout, one looking out each side just to make sure there were no sharks or jellyfish or anything dangerous coming towards us so yeah it was again putting your faith in those uh the others as well <laughs> was that weird being in the water in the middle of the ocean and um, was it a bit surreal was it was it magical or was it just scary just want to get this task done and get back on the boat it was it was really really surreal um you would every time i jumped in i'd take a moment just to look down and look around and it'd be nothing but blue just completely empty um and you just think wow this is we are literally in the middle of the atlantic nobody is around us um the the seabed below us when we're in the middle of the atlantic would have been closer than land on either side so Uh that's a interesting thought (laughs) so very just strange uh i think it just it made me feel so lucky as well that i had the the opportunity to be out there and experience mm. that something that so few people get to do and would you sort of do it again or or something similar i'm not sure i'd do that again i think i only need to row across an ocean once but um i definitely do something similar 100 percent um I, I can't say no to challenges i think it's <laughs> and i don't know what might be next but i think um as long as I've got great people around me um, supporting me, both with me on the adventure and, you know, friends and family as well who've shown their support have been incredible. Um, and with that network, I think anything's possible. Uh, and, and is there anything 
of a seedling of what next in your mind you'd like to do yeah or that you, you haven't got over this one yet in terms of understanding <laughs> and reflecting on it and and consuming all the the wonderfulness of it what it was yeah I think at this point I'm trying to focus on just you know being present um enjoying normal life enjoying work enjoying um hot showers and fresh food still and a flushing toilet um but you know never say never I'll yeah. probably start thinking about something soon it's interesting yeah it's all about gratefulness isn't it for wherever you, wherever we are whether on a boat you're grateful for wonderful sunsets and uh, and no wind and even grateful for that uh, but actually now you're grateful for yeah flushing water and all that sort of stuff it's being in the moment isn't it wherever wherever we are whatever we're doing it's actually having that gratefulness attitude is is the way to, to go about it um it's been lovely speaking to you uh today uh, emily um i've i've uh, really enjoyed it uh, i could talk more i've got lots of more questions i'd like to ask you um and if people are interested to find out a bit more about you and a bit more what you did in your adventure how can they find out that either through you or any other websites or instagrams uh, what's the best way of doing it yeah um so we're on instagram at one ocean crew um and our website is oneoceancrew.org so all our information's there brilliant well thank you for today i really appreciate that thank you very much julian great to speak to you if you like this episode then please do rate review and share with your friends and colleagues as a consultancy we help smes build resilient high performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate deliver and thrive If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.